Welcome everyone to Just Barely Awake, where my chronically tired self reviews anything pop culture from movies, TV shows, video games, anything that comes to my mind. Today, we are going to talk about the Fontaine Argon Quest and Genshin Impact. Now, just to start off, give my overall thoughts on everything, I thought the Fontaine Archon Quest was amazing. Like, peak Genshin, honestly. I've been having trouble trying to find out whether I like the Fontaine Archon Quest more than the Sumeru Archon Quest. And it's hard to say. They're pretty much neck and neck. I, I can't really decide now at this point. Um, Let's just say that Sumeru was definitely peak Genshin in terms of, like, main plot storytelling and Fontaine just continued that awesomeness. Uh, let's just say that. I don't really know how to rank one above the other, but let's just say they've kept that level of uh, competency in terms of writing and the story and characters and everything like that. So right now I really just have a list of topics I want to cover. Um, there isn't going to be any particular order. I'm just going to go however I please. And I don't really know um, where I'm going to be jumping to here and there. But hopefully I'll remember to cover everything I wanted to cover. So let's just start with, I guess, the general story. Um, I loved it. I love how it started off very interestingly. Like, very quickly. Like, we go to Fontaine. We meet um, two of the main flagship characters for the arc. You know, see the Travail trailer. You know that it's um, the the flagship characters for Fontaine are Linny and Lynette. We meet them immediately. We meet Farina, Farina, Farina immediately, which is also like something that's never happened before. Us meeting the Archon so quickly. Oh wait, actually no. In Mondstadt, we met Venti pretty much right off the bat, but we didn't really talk to him until, like, way later. I think, what, Act 2, maybe? But, yeah, we meet Farina, we get a sense of her personality, she almost gets us arrested, and it just kicks off from there. You know, we go, we meet some new characters, we meet Fremine, uh, we go to the the opera house for Lenny's Magic Show, we meet Nouvellet there, um... Later, after the whole um, magic show fiasco, we meet Navia. Like, we just kind of, like, Fontaine really, like, drops us in there, introduces us to everyone we need to know for the story very quickly. And I just really enjoyed the pacing um, for at least, let's say, for Act 1 and 2, those were pretty much perfect. Um, the Meripede arcs, Act 3 was a little... Uh, I know people kind of hate it. I don't hate the Meripede art. It was definitely slow, and it was definitely kind of tiring going through Meripede. Meripede in general was, like, such a hassle to traverse. It was, it, for some reason, it was just so hard getting the hang of where everything was and the waypoints and everything. So, it was just very kind of tiring. <laughs> I heard people say they want us to feel like we're in a prison, where it's like, yep, I definitely felt it to some degree. But yeah, Act 3 was kind of difficult. But Act 4 was definitely way better than Act 3, because that's Act 4 is where everything came together. It was a culmination of everything. And uh, that's where all the pieces finally fit. We got our awesome cutscenes. 
Um, we got more stuff with um, Arlequino. We have Nouvellette coming down. We get more stuff with Riley, and he kind of disappears for most of Act Three. We see him in the beginning, but then he kind of goes away, and then we finally see him again at the end, um, into Act Four. Uh, what else goes on? Uh, so yeah, so that was Act Four, and then Act Five was just man, Act Five, five hours long, but completely worth it. I did it basically immediately after the update. And I think I finished at like four o'clock in the morning. Uh, I was so tired, but I was like, I'm so glad I did this like immediately. But Act Five was just stupendous from beginning to end. Like, first of all, the cutscenes we had a lot of cutscenes, um, um, in like Fontaine, but in also in Act Five in general. Um, the whole thing, Navia again, Navia being uh definitely a shining star in the Fontaine Arkham Quest. We got a lot of new Vlad and Fosalorn. We got much needed um characters recharacterization, or I guess a an un, a different understanding of Farina as a character because she's also been kind of uh and. I guess somewhat absent, but also confusing throughout the whole story. We're kind of like, what's her deal? And then we finally got the answer to that. Um, we got a little bit more of our Lakino. Um, even though she wasn't really in it as much as I thought she would be, which is kind of interesting. Well, we'll get into that. Um, what else happened in Act 5? Uh, we had another trial in Act 1, 2. Actually, pretty much, I think, Pretty much in every single act, we got some kind of clue-finding, ace attorney mechanic to to solve, like, whatever mystery was going on in that particular act. And what else happened in Act 5? It was very emotional, too. Like, I'm, like, I'm kind of surprised at how gut-wrenching the whole Argon quest was. Like, the whole thing, like, I was crying like a baby. Like, my, the tears were not, did not stop flowing. Um, and the twist as well, that was a pretty awesome twist. Like, I don't think I would have saw it coming. At least not exactly how it went. Obviously, people were like, oh, is it that, like, the Gnosis is in the Oratories and then Farina is kind of like the face or something like that. But yeah, pretty much everyone predicted some kind of element of what the twist was, but I don't think anyone predicted it. Except maybe except maybe uh Ashikai. <laughs> the whole everyone's a Hydra Idolin. I was so surprised when that actually turned out to be the case somewhat. Where she was like, yeah, that summer event, it wasn't completely useless. It actually told us what the Fontaine plot would be. And now, like, she's like, everyone's a Hydra Idolin. And, like, it's, like, Farina who's probably keeping it all together. And I'm like, really? That sounds kind of weird. <laughs> but it turned out to kind of be the case in, in, in a sense. So I was kind of surprised that the... Even though the summer event always hints at something in the... Um, upcoming Archon Quest for the new region. It was just like the, the, the that was a 3.8, that summer event. It was just so not it, you know, compared to 2.8, 3.8 was just, 
it was just kind of disappointing. I wasn't really a fan of that summer event and stuff like that. So to find out that it actually had some kind of relevance, it's not surprising necessarily because that was its purpose. But to find out that it was exactly the Hydroidolans are managing or occupying this region, just like in Fontaine, that was the part that was kind of like, wow. Like, that actually meant something in a, in a, in a way. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, let me just go over... What do I have? I literally have a list over here. Um, main story. Yeah, I talk about the main story. The cutscenes. Oh, the cutscenes are so crisp. This, um, this arc was... I mean, they've been crisp for... Or pretty much forever, to be honest. Like, the cutscenes are always a, a, a treat in Genshin. But I just love these cutscenes. Uh, I think the first one we got was the magic show. That was really fun before it turned into, like, a murder mystery. <laughs> the thing just crushed poor Cow Or Simon Cow, as Brand Online would like to say. Um, what else cutscenes did we get? Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of it in order. Um... I don't think, no, I don't think there was a cutscene. Oh, yes, there was a cutscene in Act 2. It was the one with the, the Gardamex trying to kill us. That was pretty good, too. With Chloran and uh, Navia fighting, that was good. Uh, Act 3. I don't think Act 3 had any cutscenes. Nothing I can recall. Uh, but Act 4 definitely had cutscenes. The one with Nouvellette um, and Risley and Chloran, they were fighting the Primordial Seawater. That was also cool. <laughs> New, uh, not Nublet. Well, Nublet was also cool, but Rise was so, like, cool in that. I love how everyone was like, man, Rise is gonna be like this. This, like, hard-ass prison warden guy. And I mean, he kind of is to an extent, you know, at least to the people who cause trouble. But most of the time, he's kind of like this tea-sipping, like, chill guy, which I think, I think it, that was, that was a good idea. Like, obviously, some people really want those kind of hard-ass characters, but I kind of like how it's, it's like a contrast. It's like, you would think, being in a prison, everyone is going to be all gruff, but actually, he's pretty, you know, chill and laid back, and I think that helps with his likability. Uh, so that was Act 4's cutscene. And then Act 5, I think it had, like, a few cutscenes. It had the one where Navia falls into the, the primordial seawater. That was something. Um, I mean, because I never could have predicted what had happened next with her, like, literally going into some kind of dream state. And after that, it was... Oh, yeah, yeah, I think, I think after that was the child one, where child comes up. I have something to say about child. Hold on, my cat. I have something to say about child, where he, uh, about his vision and the whole thing and his relevance to the plot. We'll get to that. I have something to complain about. And so, but, yeah, that cutscene with the music, the, I think the... It was kind of like a rendition of, I think the track is called Wrath of Monoceros Kylie. I think what it's called. But it's that track that happened, I think, in his boss. In his boss, um, I think that's his boss theme, right? And that, so that was the whole awesome thing. And him and Nouvellet fighting the whale together. That was cool. And then I think after that, oh yeah, after that was... I think after that was the Fossilor one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it was well there was like two in one it was first when Fosalor first appeared and the Orchis was acting up and then after that was when Fosalor actually made the sacrifice so that was another cutscene there was a lot I'm telling you there was a lot of cutscenes in just act five alone like the other acts had like maybe like one or two but this one had like I think we're on like what is the third one third or fourth one at this point so yeah, so then we have some sort of sacrificing himself. That cutscene was very beautiful too. I love how it, it, it like um added in the Fontaine, the main Fontaine theme to her dancing. At first, it was like a like a slow, sad piano version of it, and then when she's actually doing the dancing, then it's like a more upbeat type of like um you know something a little a little a beat to match with the the dancing vibe of it and then we have the whole thing with Nouvellet and that one was like where where he goes up to like forgive everyone for their sins that music um cue there was very good it was like so like triumphant and I like how near the end it was I like how near the end it was like it turned into like like it it starts off triumphant and then it kind of slowly turns into like a sad the melody thing and nice and slow and i just love i just love whoever's doing the music is they know what they're doing and then i think after that was there a cutscene after that one uh a short cutscene oh yeah it's short but <laughs> the one where a skirt comes in and she literally just throws child i swear poor child being dealt a dirty in this this Archon quest. And then after that, you see there's so many cutscenes in here. And then after that, I think was the final cutscene for this act where uh basically where you see the whole Fontaine flooding and then, you know, everyone being okay. Oh my gosh, the music for that one too. It was again the Fontaine theme in like different um tones like there was like a slow piano version and then like a triumphant version where you see Farina come out and everyone is like we didn't even dissolve and everyone's cheering and everyone's being relieved everyone is like relieved that they're not dead I love I swear the music is so good in these are gun quests and in the cutscenes very good and I think that's all the cutscenes but I was really enjoying it I mean they they put a lot of those cutscenes on on the YouTube channel, and they usually do, but, um, I was surprised they put the, uh, the one where Fosalor sacrificed herself, I was surprised they put that on YouTube, because I was like, wouldn't that be kind of like a spoiler? Do you really want to put that on now? Um, because it's not like they have, um, they don't have the, uh, which one I'm thinking about? They don't have any of the cutscenes with Ryan and Shogun, I think. Like, not when we meet her, not when we, not when she's about to chop her head off. They don't have one with the Senora death. They don't have anyone with the Kazuha thing. So I was surprised when, uh, yeah, and they also don't have the cutscene from Leeway, from that Argon Quest, with, like, uh, Osile and the Jade Chamber being crushed. They don't have the one from the second Jade Chamber. Um thing with Shenha. They don't have um I think they have the final cutscene in the Sumero arc where um, we meet Ruka Devata. I think they have that one on YouTube. Um I'm trying to think of the underrangeans. Yeah, so I was surprised that they put the um the Fontaine one up. 
like it, it's it's normal it, i wouldn't mind i mean when it comes to like the one with navia that one's on youtube but that one is not really that big of a deal in kind of like spoilers but and they also have the risley one which again is not that big of a deal but just this one the whole like twist with the fossilor and everything and and Nouvellet, you know, getting his um, authority back. Like, I was surprised they actually published that. Um, but yeah, they were posting a lot of cussing. Even the child one, where he comes out and faces the whale again. That one's also on YouTube. So I was just surprised that they published it. But it's fun to watch in HD, so... Um, so that's good for me. Uh, okay, so... Let me talk about some of the characters. Let's go over the... The, the the flagship characters and the Fatui in general. Um, so we work with the Fatui. This Archon Quest. <laughs> um, not really a surprise in general. Like, everyone was expecting us to work with the Fatui eventually. And a lot of, a lot of people speculated and pretty much, um, knew that Lenny and Lynette were possibly Fatui or at least connected to Arlen Kino in some kind of way because of that whole final feast uh trailer thing um but i know it still surprised some people um that was fun watching the reactions on um on streams and stuff but yeah we work with the fatui this region they're not our enemies i mean we don't even get a fatui boss fight this region at least not yet i mean there's still the whole second boss fight that we get per region like um like a pep ishtaha uh, who's the one in Yuzuma? Oh, um, the Raiden Shogun puppet thing. Uh, yeah, I think that's, a, I think just Monset doesn't have a, unless you want to count, like, Andreas or something. Which I guess you could. Yeah, I think that counts, because Andreas is one of the weekly bosses, just like Kapep and the others, so, yeah. So, we don't get a Fatui fight yet. It's possible we might fight her later, but I fail to see why, though, because of how things turn out in the Arkham Quest. Um, but no Fatui fight. Instead, our fight is with the whale. So it's kind of like they reversed it. It's kind of like how we get the Fatui first, and then some kind of monster, uh, non-Fatui entity. But instead, they switch it where we get the monster being first with the whale, and then maybe later we'll get the Fatui with Arlequino. And again, I fail to see why we would fight Arlequino at this point, unless she, like, portrays us in some kind of way. But, I mean, we never had our, ch we never trusted her from the beginning, so betrayal is kind of like, eh. But anyway. Uh, so yeah, the characters, the Fatui, Linny, Lynette, and Fremine, I love them so much. <laughs> like, I think they're probably my favorite. Or I'm just, like, incredibly biased towards them. Especially Linny, Linny is so adorable. But, um, the whole thing with them being, like, House of the Harv. Oh my gosh, I love how in the Arkham Quest, our relationship with them kind of turned sour in that first act. I love stuff like that because it's nice for the for the traveler to meet people and not be buddy buddy with them um, immediately or have some kind of conflict with the playable characters. Because all the time I hear people say, uh, why can't we have villains as playable characters? And it's like every time all playable characters are friends of the Traveler in some kind of capacity. That's how Scaramouche can be playable, and that's how Child can be playable. That's how we can have playable uh, Fatui, because they are cordial or amicable with the Traveler in some sense. 
you know, even if I would say Scar Moose probably has the, is probably the least friendly of all the playable characters, um, when it comes to the Traveler. Um, like, he's, like, friendly enough. <laughs> As opposed to Chan, who actually generally likes us and is pretty friendly. And Scar Moose, he's kind of like, because you helped me, now I'm gonna help you. Um, but I still kind of gonna find you slightly irritating, and you find me pretty irritating. Um, but I'm just doing this because I kind of owe you one kind of thing. So I would say Skarmish is probably the least friendly of all the playable characters. But here we have Linny and Lynette and Fremine. Um, mostly Linny and Lynette in the first Arkham Quest. And, um, in the Arkham Quest in general. But, um, you know, they lie to the Traveler about what they were doing with the ore trees. And they kind of conceal their identity about being House of the Hearth and Fatui. So that kind of sours their relationship to the Traveler. Ugh, I, you know, I was thinking, no. I'm not going to go over the whole discourse there was on, like, Twitter about the whole, why is the Traveler doesn't like Lenny and Lynette, but they're friends with Child and Scara? There's just, like, ugh, that was so annoying um, during that time because it's, there's just, like, so much stupidity in that one statement. That's how you know people aren't really understanding the relationships the Traveler has with these characters. Um, but yeah, but I just loved how we actually had a bit of a sour relationship, um, at the end. Because it's like, I guess I just kind of really liked how the Traveler was angry with them. Like, not only because it was reasonable for them to be angry, but also because, you know, that usually doesn't happen. We're usually pretty friendly with our playable characters. It's, um, I guess it's really the, I would say it's really the Fatui and... I guess the Ride and Shogun, where our relationship is pretty contested. And, but, you know, the Ride and Shogun that got moved over. Um, Child, it gradually got better. Um, Scaramouche, um, that pretty much got, well, not pretty much. That also kind of developed in the whole, pretty much his own story quest that he pretty much got. So, yeah, I like how he, you know, this is what I like. I like how in the Art Conquest as a whole, you see that relationship with Linny, Lynette, and Fremine develop into what eventually becomes them seeing the Traveler as their family. Because it started off as them being friendly. You know, they meet in Fontaine and they show them around the city and they take them to the magic show and it's pretty cordial and we defend them in court and everything. So it's pretty friendly and um, we're buddy-buddy in a sense, even though we just met. But, you know, we see them as good people. And then we get hit with the whole you know, the murder trial, and then the whole, oh, they're doing something with the Ordrees, plus they're for Tui, so it's, like, lies, and now there's distrust, and then it ends with, uh, hey, like, I'm really sorry that we did this to you, um, let me tell you all about why I am this way, so maybe you'll understand, and then we're still kind of icy with them at the end of all that, and then we come back in the Meripede arc, where we meet them up again, where we're not outwardly antagonistic towards them, but we're not really jazzed about helping them with their goals or anything like that. And then at the end of the Meripede arc, because we pretty much helped Linny with the whole, oh my gosh, my, my, uh, my sibling got kidnapped kind of thing. And we help him with that and we help him through that. And then, um, then they're basically like, <clears throat> and then they're basically like, okay, we see you as family now. And that actually 
uh, plays a part in Act 5 where Arlequino's like, because my children, um, Lenny and, and Co. trust you so much and see you as family, I'm going to share this information with you freely so that you can help us save Fontaine and stuff like that. So I like how that all ties together and it ha- and it's kind of like also our in of Arlequino because also in like Act 4, Arlequino's like, you helped my children you helped the house of the hearth, so I am grateful to you. And people are like, whoa, what? <laughs> and she's like, I care about my children. So, and and you help them, so that is a positive in my book. Which is pretty great. Although, I'm a little, I'm a little skeptical about that. Not about how she cares about the children. I think it's pretty evident if you just see... Um, even if you don't believe anything she says in the Ark Conquest itself, by if you read like the the stories for like Fremenes and Lynn Lynette's character stuff, you can see that yeah, she does generally do care about these children. So, uh, so I don't, I'm not really skeptical about that. But what I'm a little worried about is. Just, like, if she's going to use that against us. Like, obviously, Lynn, Lynette, and Fremine, I believe that they generally do care about the Traveler. But it's kind of like if Arlequino told them to betray us, would they? You know what I mean? It's kind of like, would she ever use our closeness with Lynn, Lynette, and Fremine against us? You know, because we trust them, so she could get them to do something, knowing that we'd probably drop our guard because it's coming from them and then she could like swoop in and do something that's what i'm worried about i'm worried that she could use our our connection with the three of them to do something to us or do something behind our back or just you know it's really it's really worrying to be honest because i'm also like man i would really love it if if something were to happen and and the and the trio were to like had to choose between the traveler and arlequino on one side of on the one side, I'm like I would really like them to choose a traveler, but the other other side, it's like at the end of the day, Arlequino is their family, and they've known her for way longer than they've known the traveler. Even though the traveler already sees, I mean, the three, the trio already sees the traveler as family and generally does care about them. It's still like that gap in time is still there, and you know they haven't really said the tree have never hinted at any type of. Like, they're not, like, hinting at any betrayal of the house on any part. It's just difficult. I just know that if they do do something along that route in the story, because, again, like, if you even look at the Harbinger Wheel, um, which has showcased all the bosses that we will have in the story, like, child, you see Child is first, and then Senora, and then Scaramouche, and then the next one, it looks like a hand with holding a candle. You all said the hand of glory. That's most likely Arlequino. So if we are going to fight Arlequino down the line as our second boss for the region, it, I can imagine it being because of some kind of scenario with, um, you know... Probably them having to choose between us, and it's it's just gonna be so sad, so angsty. Um, I have no idea. I honestly have no idea which way they would go. Both ways make sense in a way. <sighs> it's gonna be so sad. I'm gonna be crying because <laughs> I love those three. 
Um, especially like if anyone's played the Fermine event, which was like so good for Fermine's character because he doesn't have much of a he has definitely has a presence in in the Archon Quest, but um, the latter half of the Archon Quest. But the the main character in terms of like the trio is definitely Lenny, um, which I'm not upset about. But I'm glad that Fermine got that time later on. But yeah, it's definitely gonna be sad. Um. I guess it could also be there is mentions of a previous director of the house, a previous Arlequino. So it is always possible that, that that could come into play eventually. But again, it's like we don't know. Is that just like the there was Arlequino came into the house and she changed things for the better? But that doesn't mean that just because Arlequino wasn't the first Arlequino, that doesn't mean we'll ever actually meet the first Alakina, like the previous director. It could just be like just a thing that happened. So who knows if we'll actually fight this Arlequino or the previous Arlequino. We don't know. But anyway, uh, what else do I have on my list? But anyway, yeah, I love the trio. I love how our friendship um, developed with them throughout the Archon Quest. And I love that how I love how it started off rocky, and now I love how we got to see it grow into genuine, um, and into a genuine relationship. Oh, something I also like about the trio. I love how Linny, like, like Linny and Lynette and Fermilay. Well, mostly Linny. I like how, even though he's from the house, and they're for two weeks, and they're supposed to keep these things related to the house secret. I love how Lenny kind of freely shares it with us because he doesn't want us to think he's lying about anything. And he doesn't want to like, he generally wants a good friendship with the traveler. So he's like, hey, I will share everything. I will never lie to you again. I will share everything I know about what we're doing, even if the truth hurts. Because before I love, this is what I love. I love how in the beginning, when we first find out that Lenny lied, he's like, I wanted to have a friendship with you because I knew if it wasn't for all that baggage of our identity, we could be good friends. And he's like, the truth is very important, but if we were just transparent about everything, it would be kind of a hassle. And I love how that was his mindset in the beginning. But at the end, like not only at the end of that Arkham Quest, but also at the start of the the third Arkham Quest, he's like, after what happened before in the Opera House... I promised myself that I was never going to lie to you again, and I was going to be completely honest and transparent with you about everything, like, no matter what, like, and I love how he comes right and saying, is that, yes, we are here because we think the Gnosis is here, and, um, because, obviously, that would be very, that would be somewhat upsetting to hear, is like, ugh, they're after the Gnosis, but it's like, Instead of hiding it and trying to like deceive you or make you think we're not here for that, I'm just gonna tell you up front and you do with that information which will, but I'm gonna be completely honest and I don't wanna deceive you and I want to be completely upfront about my intentions so you know that even if our sides conflict, I can at least give you that choice to make a decision and stuff like that. So I just really love that part. I just love how you see that. And just those little things. You see that growth of how Lenny approaches things. At least with us. At least with the Traveler. Um, So this can then go into... I, I already touched about it a little bit. What I think about Arlequino. What I think about Arlequino. And I would say 
besides what I've already mentioned about me not really being completely sure about whether or not she would go against us completely because she seems reasonable (laughs) surprisingly reasonable she doesn't because despite what child and scaramouche's voice lines have said about her being crazy and unhinged and someone who would kind of like stab you in the back she seems pretty reasonable and not at all crazy except for the part where i guess she literally attacked farina that was pretty insane but in terms of but besides that she actually seems like a pretty I guess normal person <laughs> you know what i mean well it's definitely what i was expecting i was expecting her to be a little bit crazier or at least unhinged or like a like kind of like a cool calm craziness kind of thing but she doesn't seem like that at all so it's kind of like what are child and scar was seeing that we haven't seen yet like are is is her true self have we not seen her true self are we gonna see that true self later are we gonna see that craziness later because she seems pretty all right even like when we think about oh man i didn't even touch up on lenny and lynette's like tragic backstory the whole child trafficking business like even that lenny said he saw her and like like the ground was all covered in blood and they killed she killed the child trafficker and then and then she went and killed um the guy who adopted Lydia and Lynette in the first place and eventually sold Lynette so it's like she's killing people but it's like isn't everyone <laughs> you know what I mean it's not like killing people is unique to her character I mean Kazwa has killed people right Shogun has killed people um Zhongli uh more I'm thinking about some more, not God-level characters, because, you know, Child, Scar, of course, they've all killed people. I'm trying to think of, like, primarily lower characters, like, maybe, like, Kasuha I can think of. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I guess any any of the characters have probably killed someone or something, so I wouldn't say that's necessarily a sign of her craziness. If I Even if I think about, like, Feminine's backstory, she went and go, I think she probably killed those tax collectors or, like, rent debt collectors, whoever, that, um, his mother, that killed, um, his mother and got the locket back for him, but still, it's kind of, like, it's not really that crazy of a thing, so, um, I'm wondering when, if maybe they're just biased because they don't like her, or... Or maybe it's just that, yeah, maybe either they're biased or we just haven't seen it yet. I don't know. Who knows if we'll ever see it? Maybe. Um, and I'm, I, again, with Arlequina, I'm surprised at how little of a presence she had in the, in the Archon Quest. Because, first of all, in the final feast, you would think that she's like the puppet master behind everything. But she really wasn't. She was kind of just as clueless as everybody else. Like, really, no one knew what was going on until, like, the very end when Fosilor revealed her plan. Or, like, when we kind of, like, figured, like, a little bit of it out during, like, the trial of the Hydra Archon thing. So, it was kind of, it's kind of interesting how everyone was kind of kept in the dark until the very end. Even Arlequino. And it's kind of like a whole misdirect as well. Unless, of course, that is coming later. (laughs) later when we get her as a second world boss it's hard to tell really 
So, yeah. So, I'm surprised at how little screen time she got. Like, she didn't come until third act. Um, I mean, we knew that Lydia and Lynette were messing with the oratories, but they were just trying to, like, see if there was anything special about it. Um, they didn't really figure anything out, really, except that it's gathering energy, but everyone knows that the oratories gathers energy from the people, so that's also not really anything big, but I guess the thing with that was that it has a lot of energy in there when it's supposed to go to the city to power it. But yeah, everyone's kept in the dark. She she didn't really do much when I think about it. Let me see. In Act 3, showed up, pressured Nuvala and Farina to find Child or ask about Child. Um, then after that, she's pressuring Farina again about trying to figure her out. And she kind of talks to us. We don't really see her after that. I think Act 5, she's the one who tells us about the cave. With the prophecy in it. And then. And then. After that she sends Fermanade to get the final slate. But yeah. Really. I mean she's not. She doesn't really do much in the Archon Quest. That's why I'm like okay. Either she's going to do something big later on. Um, if she becomes playable or something. Or she becomes a world boss. But it's like. um, Because when I think about previous regions. With. Scaramouche was a very big presence in the Sumeru Archon Quest. Um, even I would say the Tori felt he had more of a presence, even though he wasn't really in it for long. Like, he had a cutscene, and then he had the little bit at the end with, um, with, uh, Nahida. Like, he wasn't in it a lot, but I felt like his presence was grander compared to Arlequina. And obviously Scar had a big presence, in the Archon Quest, and when I think back to, like, the leeway, um, Child obviously also had a very big presence in the leeway Archon Quest. Um, Inazuma, no. The Fatui, like, Senora and Skara kind of just showed up, but I guess, I guess even, eh, not really Skara, he didn't really leave much of an impression. He was kind of here, then left, but at least Senora had the whole thing of, like, dying. So, it's kind of interesting how Arlequina felt not really... She didn't feel overly significant compared to everybody else. She kind of felt, like, pretty much unpar or a little bit less compared to everybody else. Uh, well, I guess we'll see what they do with her. Okay, what else do I want to talk about? Oh, yeah, the Ace Attorney mechanic... From the start, when I heard, like, Fontaine was the land of justice, and we might probably be getting some murder mysteries or something, I was like, give me my ace attorney. Like, I love those games. Um, so I was really excited. How I love how we get to find clues and everything, and we have to put them together, and we actually had trials, and we were a lawyer, even though we're not qualified. And I love how that also translates to stuff in the World Quest, too. Like, we also want, um, if anyone has done the, what is it, what's it called? Questioning Melazine and the Answering Machine. I think that's what the World Quest is called. Like, has anyone done that? That was also a, uh, like, a, a murder mystery type of, um, 
story as well. We have to collect clues and figure out who killed the scheme bird, who kidnapped him and everything like that. So I like how, I think also a little bit with, it wasn't necessarily a murder mystery, but with the Narcissus Court stuff, um, not the first parts, but I think the very, very final part of the Narcissus Court, did that have a mystery angle to it? I mean, the whole thing was a mystery. I'm trying to figure out no, actually, I don't think so. I don't think, obviously, it's a mystery and we're trying to solve it, but I don't think it was as overt as literally looking for clues in in the places and putting them together a little bit. I'm thinking about the very first part where we're in the the Order headquarters and we're, like, talking to all the members, or I guess the 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 current version of the members, and we're asking them about what they remember, what they what they feel about the others and their and their past and everything, and we're kind of like putting it all together. But it, now that I remember, it, it used a Sumeru mechanic, not the Fontaine mechanic. Yeah. So so I think it's only in that Melazine quest, the the Agent Taloshard Melazine quest with the with curve and everything, where we had the. Uh, the clue finding and the putting everything together, the whole murder mystery thing. But in general, um, I really liked it. Um, I think it was different, and I think it was definitely an improvement over how Sumeru was doing it. Because in the Sumeru thing, is a little frustrating. Like at the point where I was just clicking random stuff, and I did that a little bit with the whole ore tree stuff as well. But, I mean, I was doing this at, like, what, 4 o'clock in the morning? So, <laughs> understandable. But, yeah, I really enjoyed the mechanic. And I think it's an improvement over the how Sumer was doing their put-the-clues-together mechanic. Um, hmm. What else? Oh, uh, I want to talk about Child a little bit. I love Child. I didn't at first, but I really come to love his character. And I think he was good in, like, the first two acts. Like, one and two, where you first meet him, we get his vision. He gets put in prison. Um, mysteriously, we're like, wait, why is he guilty? And I don't really mind him being absent, for the most part, in Acts 3 and 4, where we're trying to find him, and he, he's, like, missing, missing. And he's, like, in the primordial sea with the whale, and we're having dreams about him. Good for Chilumi fanfics. But what I don't like is how that kind of paid off ultimately in Act 5. I, I'm not really a fan of... I mean, his cutscene in Act 5 was amazing. Like, Child is cool. He's always cool. But I don't like how he showed up and we just never talked to him again. Like, that's it. He showed up. He was awesome. But... We don't, like, we don't get to give him back his vision personally. We have to give it to Arlequino. And I'm like, why? Why can't it, like, they say Child went back to Shneznaya to, like, rest or whatever. But, like, why couldn't we at least have, like, a conversation with him first? Even if he's, like, pretty much mostly unconscious. We didn't even get to, like, see him, like, on the floor or something in-game. Like, he literally, we never, he never shows up in the actual in-game portion. He only shows up in cutscenes, and then they say at the end that, oh, he left. 
And I'm like, no, I wanted to see him. I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to give him Mecca's vision. So I'm upset with that. I would say, like, his involvement in the Arkham Quest in general was good. I don't really have any problems with that specifically. But I hate, not hate, but I'm disappointed in the conclusion. You know, um, we never really get to figure out or find out why his um, vision stops working. I mean, we can make some guesses, but we never get anything definitive. I mean, we get something more definitive about why he went to prison. Nuvola is probably like, either Fossilor did that on purpose, or, or he was guilty by association. Like, he's like, I'm not really sure which one, but it's probably one of those two. And that's fine. I mean, that's what everyone speculated. Either he was guilty by association, or the Orchids maybe did that on purpose. But besides that, like, I don't really have any problems with that whole stuff. But I just hate how, at the end, we didn't get to talk to him at all. Even if it was only, like, a few words and he gets, like, fully unconscious by the end. I'm upset that we didn't get to give him his vision back personally, and I'm upset that we didn't get to at least have one conversation. I know he's going to come back, like, obviously. We're going to see him in Shnoznaya, maybe, hopefully, at least once before that. So, it's not like I think he's, like, dead or dying in a bed somewhere, but I'm just really upset we didn't get a little bit more of him. Uh, oh, and the whale in general. Um... The whale, okay, The first of all, the whale's design is very cool. He looks like a very awesome whale. Um, narwhal thing. But, the boss fight was, like, when you look at it, the boss fight from afar, like, when you're just looking at it as it, like, swims all over the place, and it goes in and out of its abyss portals, and it's, like, you know, jumping up in the water, that looks cool. But when you're actually fighting it, it's like, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not really that big of a deal. Like, I don't think this boss fight was peak Genshin boss fight. You know what I mean? It definitely looks amazing. It looks amazing. And then when you, when you get swallowed up and then you fight the, the like, the the warrior guy who kind of fights, like, child. Um, that was cool, too. And you see, like, the, the, uh, the abyssal, um, symbol, or the, what was it, the, the quantum symbol, whatever. You see that in the background. That, that whole thing was cool. But, like, so visually, it's very stunning. But in terms of, like, actual gameplay, um, it was whatever, honestly. I, I mean, I kicked that Will's ass, like, pretty quickly. I wouldn't say this whale, the whale boss fight was difficult or anything like that, but I guess it just wasn't as, it was visually amazing, but gameplay wise, it wasn't really that amazing. Um, I wouldn't say I hate it. I don't think it's the worst boss fight or anything like that. Um, but I guess it just wasn't as hype as probably everyone was hoping it would be or expecting it to be. It was kind of like whatever, you know what I mean? So. I know people who, like, are very big on, like, the fighting mechanics of this game were probably disappointed, but me, eh, I mean, I mostly play, I play Genshin for the story, first and foremost. Like, I'm not really that big on grinding 
or artifact farming or anything like that. Like, I just, like, I'm very casual. Like, I, I don't really do Abyss. I think I did Abyss for the, the whole Abyss for the first time, like, a couple months ago. Um, after playing this game for, like, two years. But yeah, I'm not really that big on, like, fighting or anything like that in terms of, like, one of the games, in terms of what the game offers, like, I'm not really that big on leveling. Like, I get my characters to a comfortable place. Like, even if it's not, like, triple crown, level 90. Like, if it's at least comfortable enough to get rid of the bosses or any of the mobs in the overworld, then I, that's good enough for me. Like, I'm not really someone who does my weeklies or anything like that. So, that, so, so in turn, that's why when it comes to the, like, the fighting, it's like, it's easy. I, I can get it over with. And, but it's not anything spectacular, so it's like, kind of like, whatever. But the people who are, like, all in on the fights and the strategies and whatever, they're probably going to be disappointed. But me, it's just like, eh, I can take it or leave it. It's not the worst, but it's not the best. Oh, but the, the whale being somebody's pet, I did not see that coming. I didn't know, I didn't think it was going to be like a... A pet. I thought it was gonna be like a, some abyssal monster type of thing, but to see, like, oh yeah, it's Skirk's master's pet. I was like, what? <laughs> this is that ridiculous? I'll fill Skirk. I don't think I have her on my list here, so let me talk about about her before I forget. Um, so Skirk. Uh, I think her design is pretty cool. I know some people are like, oh my gosh, she looks like so generic and basic. And I'm like, she looks fine to me. <laughs> I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with her design. I mean, she definitely looks like not a Genshin character, like a Honkai character, which definitely fits since she's been in the Abyss and doing stuff like that. So I, it's fitting that her design doesn't exactly look like someone from Genshin. Uh, so I don't mind that. <laughs> she threw child. How rude. That's also a thing. We we go in there and you know we finish the whale boss fight and we're probably like, wait, where's child? And she shows up holding child and then throws him in a portal. No, <laughs> why did they do you like that, child? I swear. But anyway, yeah, she comes in and just drops like the biggest lore bombs ever about the whole. Third Descender being the the Gnosis are the remains of the Third Descender. She she says they're like objects of misfortune. She says that her master is Tertologi, and then she mentions like Rhine Daughter and uh Bitter Vertifanir or something like that, that other name. So I'm glad that we got big lore here. Uh I know people some people were afraid that Maybe we wouldn't get big lore because we had such big lore in Sumeru. But I'm glad they kept up that train and we did actually get some big lore um in um Fontaine as well. Um I don't really have much to say about what she revealed in terms of like her master and the visionary, because you know, that's up to like Ashikai and the other lore theorists to like figure out. Me, I'm just along for the ride in in, in that respect. But in terms of the third descender and who I think it is, I think it's Nibelong, the the Dragon King. I know some people think it's um. I've heard some people say they think it's the the Abyss sibling. Um, it could be. 
Um, I'm not, I don't think it is, though. I could see the reasoning, though, but I don't think it's the, the sibling. I don't think it's the sibling at all. Um, I think it's Nimbalong. I think it would make sense. But then it makes you recontextualize, oh, the Saritza is gathering all the Noses. What is she going to use it for? So now people think that she's going to use it to resurrect the, um, uh, Nibelung, resurrect him, because she's going up against the Heavenly Principles, and the people who fought the Heavenly Principles the first time were the dragons, and Nibelung was a dragon king. So it makes sense that if you're going up against the Heavenly Principles, even though they did, the dragons did lose that first time, and second time, because Nibelung came back the second time to fight. So they did lose. But I guess with the added power of the Sarita and her army, she probably thinks that maybe they'll stand a chance again. Who knows? But that's what I think. I think the third descender is Nibelung. Um, and um, he's, he, he, they use his body um, to like create the Gnosis. And now she wants to collect all the Gnosis because that will somehow revive him. I don't know how she's going to revive him. Maybe that's why Dottori is on this team. Maybe they're going to use Dottori's, like, knowledge in medical science or whatever and body modification to, like, somehow resurrect Nibelung. That could be a reason. But anyway, that's what I think. Um... But who knows? I think people also said that the third center might be the prince from the Pale Princess and the Six Pygmy story. Um, I could see that. Or at least I think people were saying that the third descender's body being um, torn apart and and turned into these noses is like a, is what the Pale Princess and Six Pygmy story was talking about. Um, a little spoilers for that story. Because that story is available, not in-game, but the code for it is there, um, in the, in the, in the game, but not the actual books. It talks about how the, the, the prince was, like, killed, and then its body was, like, turned into, like, these things, I think. Something along those lines. Um, hopefully they release those books soon, because now that we have, like, a direct in-game correlation to that story, I mean, I feel like now would be the perfect time to release those books. Uh, who knows? Um, so yeah, that's Skirk. I don't really have many opinions on her. I think she looks cool. Um, yeah, I think she looks cool. She drops in lore, so at least she's useful. Um, maybe we'll see her again in a Dane quest or something. Um, uh, who knows where she's from? How she know? Well, oh yeah, she said she didn't know Ryan daughter personally. She said her master mentioned it. So maybe we'll learn more about her master one day and what's his connection. Like, was he also from Tibet and he just like left that world or whatever? Like, why are there people living in the abyss? <clears throat> Because we already know that, um, you know, the Conrians, they, they turn into monsters of the abyss, but, but Skirt, she's like, she's not like a monster or anything. She doesn't look like a monster. Obviously, she looks different and, like, body morphed, but she doesn't look like a monster. She doesn't act like a monster. 
So, and also there's the whole thing about if you spend too much time in the abyss, it could like affect you, like it affect child. But Skrillex seems pretty okay. You know what I mean? She doesn't seem like crazy, like like child is, like how he's kind of like battle crazy. So I'm wondering if like there are people, if there's something special about her and that allows her to be, uh, I guess, mentally unaffected by the abyss. Or if maybe she's, like, like was she originally from Tibet and then she went to the abyss and decided to live there? Or is she, like, a special being or something? So I wonder if we'll figure those things out if we're going to get any more skirt content. Because she says, like, she thinks we'll meet again. Well, she thinks she'll meet Nouvellet again. Oh, and she's also going to tell us the third, the identity of the third descender. She's going to ask her master. Um, but she said that she's going to send child to tell us. So that's why, so I'm like, so obviously we're going to see child again because child's supposed to tell us the identity of the third descender. But are we going to find that out all the way in the Shneznaya arc or is he going to come back again um, between then? He already made his appearance for the region for this, like, 3.x series wait no 4.x series so who knows if he'll even show up again any time um before netlon um but child has made an appearance in every patch so not every patch every patch series like one one 1.x series um the 2.x series even in 3.x series he made an appearance in um inazuma during the that festival i think we were having that one time so, and he's made an appearance this time around, so we it's possible that we won't really get him anymore until the Natlon stuff. Um, not that he'll show up in Natlon, but he'll show up in that 5.x series somehow. So, who knows whenever um, he'll come to us for that stuff. Uh, gosh, there's someone to talk about in this stuff. Uh, I want to talk about Farina and Phil Salor. Uh, Farina, love Farina. At first, I wasn't really, like, like, I never hated Farina. Like, her bombastic personality and her brattiness, like, that never bothered me. I know she was kind of, like, controversial, but that never bothered me personally. Um, but now I, like, love her now. Like, I, I had to pull for her, and I did get her. Congratulations to me. Um, but yeah, I'm so glad I have her on my team. Even if I never, like, fully, fully build her, just having her in my party is enough to, like, satisfy me. Because I love her character. I love collecting characters that I love. So, like, the whole thing where it's like, you're like, what's her deal? And I never could have expected her to have been through so much pain. <laughs> it was such a surprise. Like, the whole thing where she's, um, where she's, like, um, putting on this performance, like, everything about Fontaine is, like, performances and, um, uh, uh I guess just performances. Everything about Fontaine is about being, putting on performance and catering to it in an audience and whatever. So, having her probably put on the, like, have Fossilers at the loneliest and agonizing play of all time is, like, so heartbreaking how she was, like, doing that laugh, but she was, like, crying and had a big smile, and she was, like, her eyes were twitching. Oh, that was so heartbreaking. Um, and how we had to, like, when we went into, like, her mind, we had to, like, break down her, like, her barriers in order to, for that 
part of her life to be revealed and stuff like that. That was pretty cool as well. Uh, oh man, uh, the trial though, that was so heartbreaking to watch. Like, near the end of it. Because you saw how, as we started unraveling more and more of her act, how she became more and more desperate to keep belief in her. And it was just so sad because you see she's also crying and she's like, no, people, please. It's, I am your archon. And at first she would be like, oh man, this is kind of, this is kind of sad. Like, and you're like, why is she trying so hard to make people believe that she's the archon? And you see when you finally get into her mind, it's like, she's not doing it for her. She's doing it for them because she believes that if they stop believing in her as the archon, everyone's going to die. So, and and then all her hard work that she's been doing for, like, 500 years would be wasted and, like, in vain. So, oh, my God. That whole thing. I felt so bad for her. But I love her, too, because, like, even though she, if she's not an archon anymore in terms of divinity, she's still an archon in my heart. Because she's, like, easily... It used to be... Nahida was the best Archon. Like, Fosalor, I mean, Farina is really, like, like, pretty much almost, or maybe has taken up her spot, Nahida's place in my rankings, because she really, like, without any powers or divinity or anything like that, she really fully encapsulated what it meant to be an Archon and be a uh, like a, a a guiding force for people and um, someone who just cares about her people so much and is willing to take on so much pain for them in order to ensure their safety and their future happiness and for them to survive the prophecy and everything. Uh, it was just so hard. And I love how all the Archons, their voice lines, they only praise Freedom. They're like, she, even though she was only human, she fully... It, it, she fully um um portrayed what it meant to be an archon even though she's human and she never had any power and i was like i'm so glad all the archons only have nice things to say about her it was so it was so great i love farina uh but the whole thing with croissant and that flooding oh we're gonna get to navi and everything but it was just so heartbreaking (laughs) But I love her. I love her. Um, I'm excited for more Farina content in upcoming patches. Um, I don't know if what her. I don't know if she would even get a story quest. I know some people were like thinking, okay, so all the archons they get a second story quest where we get the the world boss and everything. But I'm like, I don't know if that will apply for Farina. I feel like that would make more sense for Nouvellet because Farina no n- never really had any connection to the divine. And she doesn't know anything about the past or anything like that. Like, she doesn't have that connection that the other Archons do. So, in my head, I'm like, a second story quest... Not that she couldn't get a second story quest at all, but a second story quest on the same level of lore dumps and knowledge as the other Archons' second story quest. Like... I, I can't imagine her getting... I feel like a second story quest for Farina would be more on par with Yoimiya's second story quest as opposed to Nahida's second story quest. You know what I mean? Like, it's more so about us, oh, we're gonna hang out with Farina again and do some fun stuff, maybe, and help her through um, 
more of her trauma or something as opposed to oh we're gonna go to this new place i'm gonna drop some heavy lore bombs and i'm gonna um and you're gonna learn something new um in terms of like the history of that so it makes more sense in my head to me to get a second new village story quest that pertains to like the history as opposed to farina's um oh Fosalor, i have to talk about her um the whole thing about Fosalor and uh farina being like one person split into two which is pretty much what everyone thought it was gonna be but not in the same way as it's actually turned out where it's like my human side and the divinity and the reason why i'm collecting all this power is to return the divinity the the throne back to nouvellette that whole thing with her being like, I have to deceive the heavenly principles. Um, I invited you, Nubilette, because I had to get you to love humanity in order for you to save them. And I love how he's like, you are a devious one, the folks of the Lord. And I swear, her plan was genius, honestly. Like, shout out to her. Like, she really thought everything through. She was like, I need Farina to be a face so that all the attention is on her and away from me from collecting all the power. And I also need Nubilette to come in here and um be able to receive this gift and in turn save Fontaine. Because once I even if I destroy the throne and give it back to Nouvellet, Nouvellet has to be the one to save, then save Fontaine in turn, and he's only gonna do that if he actually gives a damn. So I really loved that too. Like it's really like a very good plan. It's just a shame that Farina had to suffer so much. Um and I love how I love how that's where we see Nouvellet just really crying um not necessarily visually i'm not sure people are like oh i see a tear i don't really know if i see a tear but it's raining pretty hard so yeah he is crying and i love how nuvela has so much respect for farina after all this um like like, like, before, Nuvala is like, I have no idea what Freedom is thinking. I don't know what goes on in her head. Uh, she's so over the top. I don't know what's going on with her. And I love how it turns into, oh my gosh, Farina, um, I hope you live a good life. You performed your duty so well. I have nothing but respect for you. Like, Nuvala is the number one Farina stand. Like, and I love it. I love that change in their relationship. Um, what else? I guess I can turn that into talking to about Nouvellet, who, I love Nouvellet. I also have him. I pulled for him. Um, I love the whole thing about him being in Dragon Sovereign. Like, I never would have predicted that we would actually get a playable Dragon Sovereign. Like, of course, there's the whole thing about the Water Dragon prophecy and everything like that. And, of course, he met a pep. But they actually have a dragon as a playable character. And not just a dragon, but, like a, like, a Dragon Sovereign. That was pretty cool. And I love how he actually has something different about him. Like, first of all, his character stories are pretty revealing about the history of Tabat. Um, like, and I love how instead of, like, Gnosis or Vision, it says Ancient Dragon's Authority. So that's also pretty cool as well. Usually characters like Nouvellet, you would expect them to... Like, people thought he would be kind of... What's the word I'm looking for? I guess stoic, kind of, um, let me see. Stoic, I guess not really as emotional as, um, 
Nuvolet actually turned out to be. Like, Nuvolet is actually a pretty, pretty nice person. Like, he's nice, he's emotional, he's very caring. Like, he never really came off as cold. Like, I, I guess that's the word. Cold and stoic is what people probably would have thought he would be because he's, like, the symbol of justice and everything. But instead, he's, like, an emotional person. He's very caring toward, like, the Melazines and the people of Fontaine. He, he like, questioned himself in terms of, like, what justice means. The whole thing with Navia. Um, him seeing the Melazines as this, like, new bishop race and everything like that. Like, he has a very, um, he cares a lot about the Melazines. Um, he greatly cherishes our, fr- our our friendship with the Traveler and everything like that. He cares about Farina and the whole Fosalor thing hit him very hard. Like, it's like, I never would have expected New Blood to be such a, such a emotional individual. Like, this dude is crying, like, all the time. To the point where it's always raining in Fontaine whenever there's a trial happening. It's, like, so unexpected and it's such a welcome twist, honestly. And I think it really helps his character. I really like the whole thing about how, even though he's all about justice and like the this whole prophecy is about, um, Fontanians getting the justice they deserve or whatever from the gods' point of view, from the heavenly principles' point of view, and he's like, I like how especially um when it happened in the Fortress of Meripede and the primordial sea was overflowing. Um, I like how he was like. This just this punishment is it's just too severe. I'm sorry. Please forgive me for overruling it. Like even him, he's like, this is too much. Like it's not fitting of the crime. Even though he doesn't exactly know what the crime is, he was like, I just can't let this pass. Like I love how he even he is like, even though this is the judgment that's being passed, the whole flooding of Fontaine. He's like, I can't let this go through because it's just too cruel. And again, because that's the whole thing about Fosso's plan about getting him to care about the people of Fontaine. Now, I also love how, even in Act 5, when the whole thing is about getting the Farina on trial, even he, even though he's like, yes, we need to do this in order to save Fontaine, at the same time, he's like, I, this might be cruel to her, and I don't really, I don't have, I don't want to hurt her or anything like that, but we have to save Fontaine, and if there's a way to do it without making her suffer too much, that's the course I want to take and everything like that. So I love how he's, like, soft, even the people who he's, in a sense, against, in a way. Um, but I love, um, Nubala as a character. I'm excited to see more about him. Um, interested to what his future holds, because if you read his voice lines, he's almost about, like, I'm going to judge the the archons and everything like that. And they're kind of somewhat angry voice lines. Just such a, like, a contrast to what his character had been portrayed in the Archon Quest. Like, he's so kind of, kind of chill and mellow in the Archon Quest, but then his voice lines is like, I'm going to judge the usurpers and the usurper king and all the archons and stuff like that. And they just read so angry, and you have to be like, no, 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 the Anima Archon, he's just a drunker, and he's not really doing anything. And, um, the, the Geo Archon, he's kind of like a, a broke delinquent, or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I'm wondering if that will ever come up at all. Like, the fact that, like, is Nuvala ever going to meet any of the other Archons? 
and like doesn't even know who the other Archons are. Like obviously, Red and Shogun and Nahida, they aren't hiding their identities. But if he were to meet like Venti and Zhongli, would he be able to sense it at all? Because he before he was like at first what I sent from you, I thought what I sent from you was your divinity, but is it actually a curse? With the whole thing about Freda being a cursed human, and that's how she's able to like live for so long, um, despite not being a divine or um, magical being or whatever. So, would he be able to just, like, sense that they're the Archon? Like, I wonder how those interactions will go if we ever even get those interactions in the future. Um, that's Nouvellet. And, um, about any other characters um, during the Fontaine Archon quest, uh, there's Clorand. Um, but to be honest, I didn't really think much of Clorand um, the entire time. I thought she had her moments, like, when she was with Risley, I thought that was kind of a a good dynamic between them. But uh, under, other than that, I don't really think much of her, to be honest. Like, I guess she made she didn't make enough of an impact, in my opinion, to be, I guess, memorable. Or I guess just on par with all the other characters. Like, like Navia made an impact. Nouvellet. Um... The, the the trio, the Fatui trio. Um but Claran, I mean she was there and she had some good lines that, you know, some were funny and stuff like that, and she had a good like back and forth with Nouvellet and Risley, but besides that, like nothing really made me like love Claran. So yeah, oh well. It's okay. <laughs> it's it's good in the sense that it's like one less five star for me to like desperately want to pull for and you know she did for her role in stories she did what she needed to do and she did it well so it's not to say anything about um how she's like a bad character or anything she did what she had to do in the story and that was good but in terms of like favorite character ever or best character in the Fontaine Archon class that's not gonna be her um anyone else uh oh Siege Wayne <coughs> Sijuin, uh, Sijuin was pretty good too. <laughs> I thought she was gonna be the cutesy character, but she turned out to be the creepy cute kind of character. <laughs> where the whole thing where, um, she was revealed, she was like, I like smart people. I like the idea of feeling trusted. I was like, oh no, <laughs> she's creepy. And she's tranquilizing people. And, um, she's like, secretly giving people like mysterious purple me and everything i know they say it's because oh she's a melazine but it's like she she acts so even though they say oh she's a melazine she just doesn't understand i'm like i don't know if that's it because we've met like because i've done a bunch of melazine world quests at this point and none of them are this creepy i mean so they have like a few different ways of doing things but none of them are like creepy or like Oh, humans, um, your facial muscles. Oh, that means you're sad. Or, oh, that means you're happy. You know what I mean? They act like normal people. Maybe people that are, like, going to, like, a new place who are a little out of touch with, like, maybe the norms of, like, human life. But they don't act like creepy little gremlins like Sijuin does. So that's interesting. Also, Sijuin is supposed to be a Melazine, but she's clearly very, very humanoid looking. Um, I want to know 
I want to know what's going on with that Hoyo verse. Like, I swear, when she comes out and uh, and her, and her character stories, I wonder if going to say, like, oh, a Melazine mother in a human father or something like that. Because there has to be an explanation. I hope they don't try to dodge that question. I hope they don't be like, oh, no, she's just a normal Melazine. We just made her look humanoid for, like, playability's sake. So, you know, she uses an animate for, like, story quest stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you made her this way. You wanted her to be a playable Melazine. You made her look humanoid. Like, you know. <laughs> I want to know whoever looked at a Melazine and was like, let's have babies. I swear to God. It's going to be so funny. But So I'm wondering what's with all that. <laughs> Oh my god. But who's the furry who thought like, I want to get with that Melazine? I'm very curious. Um, I've been, There's been a, like a, a a debate about what Sejuin's rarity, and I honestly have no idea. I could see her as a 5-star, but I could also see her as a 4-star. Because I feel like she was, she was significant enough in the story to where it would be reasonable to see her as a 5-star. But also... I guess, also, I feel like you can make the same argument, can you, about her being a four-star? I don't know. It's kind of like either or. Like, her design is pretty elaborate, I would say, um, for a four-star. Um, no, I feel like if I would compare her to any other uh, five-star, uh, like, child-girl characters... Like, when I look at uh, Nahida or Klee, and I compare her outfit to theirs, I feel like, if anything, their out, um, Siege Queen's outfit is kind of more elaborate than theirs, you know, besides Nahida just being Archon, and Klee being, I don't know, <laughs> like, I don't know, I feel like even Siege Queen's outfit kind of surpasses Klee's outfit and Nahida's, so I feel like it could be like, oh yeah, she's definitely a five star, but I feel like she can also be a four star. Cause she she was in the story a lot, but you know, if I'm gonna compare her to other four stars like Lynette, Charlotte, uh, Fremenet, like I feel like also trying to think about how many lines she got because obviously the five stars are going to get more lines and focus than the others. Like I would say, probably Lorraine has the less lines, but she's has pretty elaborate design, so it's kind of like, yeah, she's supposed to be a five star character. Her not talking much is kind of like her character. I'm thinking of Sejuin, and I'm like, is she? Could she be a four star? I could see it. Like, if she was, I wouldn't be too surprised, but I also wouldn't be too surprised if she's a five-star. Who knows? I guess it's going to be a, a coin toss. It'd be like, five-star or four-star. Let's see who it, what it is. Um, But I'm interested to see where that lies. And if people are going to pull for her. Like, if, if if this was enough to make people want to spend money on her banner. Oh, okay. Uh, And Navia. I really like Navia. She's definitely in my, like, top five favorite Tank characters like up there with Nubilet and Lenny and um Ryze is also up there. Uh who else is up there? Farina. Like I wasn't expecting Navia to be such a strong focus throughout. 
like act one she was there and she helped us with the murder case with Lenny act two it was all about her and her case with the um with the Vache case and the disappearing water and how it connected to her family's um um company and business with Spina de Rusula. Um and uh let's see. Wasn't really in there much in Act Three or Four. I mean at all, actually. In Act Three or Four, which is fine. But in Act Five she came back and she like came back with a bang with the whole um Malus and Silver um being turned to oceanids, which again I'll get to that later, but even like Navia's there were like very good NPCs in this uh in this, uh, in these Archon quests, like you had the some of the prisoners in the Fortress of Mirapi, they they were really good NPCs there with like Quisto and Lavarone and um, um, <laughs> yeah, Brand the food machine, and uh, yeah, Wolsey the 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 food repairer guy, and I'm trying to think about any NPCs. Oh yeah, NPCs outside of the Fortress of Mirapi, you had you had Malus, you had Silver. Um, you had, like, Vache, the criminals, you had Vache, um, but yeah, I, I like how not only the main cast, but also the supporting and, like, background minor characters also were pretty, um, memorable and fun to interact with as well, um, but back to Navia herself, like, Navia, like, the tears, I'm so glad we're using so much tear play in this, in these, um, in, in Genshin in general. I think the very first time we saw Tears was, uh, oh yeah, <clears throat> back in the uh, Sumeru Archon Quest, right when after Ruka Devada, like, died, her memory died, that's when I think we first saw Tears in-game, I think, and then we saw them again in, like, the um, Genius Invocation TCG event where um, Garbapinum was crying, and then they just kept using it over and over and over, and the animations have gotten better and better. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, wait. Oh, yeah, that was after. And it was also in the 3.8 event, the Summer Island thing, the Summer thing, um, one of the Eidolans, um, their, um, personas, one of their human personas, they also had, like, the tears after we did, like, the whole play thing with, uh, with Kai and stuff. Like, so I, I love how they keep incorporating more and more, more different emotions into Genshin. It really helps the storytelling. I'm telling you, the visual storytelling in the Fontaine Arkham class was just stupendous. Like, they really were pushing their limits and, and doing um just imaginative ways to, like, get the point across, especially in, like, Nouvellet's, uh when when after we solved the case, in each case, Nouvellet would do, like, will su- basically summarize our findings and give, like, a, a timeline of what exactly happened, and you would see it all play out on stage. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so visually interesting. Like, the, their visual storytelling has really leveled up since Sumeru. And I'm so glad to see that continue in, like, future regions and future patches. Um, but, like, oh my gosh, I keep going away from Navia. But Navia was really good. I was surprised at how much I really loved the character. I love, I loved her character design when I first saw it. I'm, I was surprised just how strong of a character she was, like, right from the beginning. And especially how she packed a bunch in um, Act 2. Like her whole her whole story is actually honestly kind of sad to be honest. Like I mean, throughout this whole story, she I mean she already lost her father, and but she's still like reconciling with that, and we basically help her come to the truth of why he died in the first place. And then at the end of it, she loses um Malus and Silver, um and you know Navia's coming up. By the time I'm recording this, Navia's coming up as a playable character, 
she's going to have her story quest. And um, they said it's going to be probably about rebuilding Hustle and dealing with those deaths of Melissa and Silver again. So, so yeah, I, I like how this isn't something that's just going away for Navia and that it is something she has to deal with. And we're like actively helping her through that. Um, but Poisson, like, I love how Poisson kept coming up because it is an important location for Navia. <laughs> I will say, uh, when Poisson got, like, destroyed or whatever, I, I went to the place, and I swear, I know multiple people felt this way. I went to the place, and they were like, Poisson, it's been damaged, it's been destroyed by the primordial seawater and all the chaos. And I'm like, what the fuck is different here? It looked, it's, like, it's always looked like shit. <laughs> And I, I was trying to find the differences, and I was like, oh, I see. The fish thing is, like, on the ground now. Okay. And I think the bridge is maybe destroyed? And I was like, wait, was it destroyed before? I can't remember it. I was, like, looking around, and I'm like, I don't know. I feel like it's always looked as bad. <laughs> Which I think is funny. I was like, oh, is something different? Does it not always look kind of like a dump? <laughs> I swear to God. But, Yeah. But I do like how even, like, the locations that we went to in Fontaine felt important. Like, you know, the Fortress of Meripede, um, uh, Poisson, and its connection to, like, Navia, Meripede connection to Risley and Sejuine, and just, like, the Court of Fontaine in general, um, and the opera to, like, Nouvellet and Farina. Oh, the Palais Marmonia as well. Um, like, I like how we really got to spend time in these places. Uh, but back to Navia. Is that something more to say? No, I just love Navi. I thought she was a very good character. Easily one of the best characters in this Arkham Quest. And I think, honestly, one of the best characters we have in the game as well. Like, I just think they just really... And in general, I think I think Fontaine did a really good job of, like, characterizing these characters in, in just sh- such a short amount of time. And, like, I know, like, if you count up all the Arkham Quests, it's probably, like, what? What, five? Like, I think... Let's see. I think one and two was, like, five hours... And then three or four is probably like another five hours. And then just the, in Act 5 is five hours alone, like 5 to 15. And I was like, the whole thing is probably like around 15 hours long. But even just like in Act 1 and Act 2, where we only had Linny, Lynette, um, um, Navia, and Nouvellet as like main. I know Farina was there, but we didn't really know what the heck was going on with Farina. Like, even in that time, in just those first five hours we had of the Arkham Quest, like, they, they had their characterization down. They had us feeling for the characters. They have us loving the characters and had us wanting to pull for the characters. Like, I have C1 Linny. And if Navia wasn't Geo, I would kind of pull for her as well. But I don't fuck with Geo. She's also a Claymore, too. I don't fuck with Claymores. <laughs> like, Geo and Claymore, those are something I do not mess with. Like, I don't like Claymores because I don't like how heavy and slow their combat is. Like, I'm just not a fan. And Gio, like, unless you're, like, Albedo, or Ito, or Zhongli. Well, basically, unless you're, like, a five-star Gio that I, like, really like. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Navia. But I know better than to spend money on Gio. You know what I mean? Like, I ha- like, Hoyoverse hasn't even released a Gio character since, like, what, Inazuma? Like, I don't think there are any Geo characters in Sumeru. So, if Hoyoverse isn't going to do anything with Geo, why should I? You know what I mean? So, it's a shame, but I'll just have to... And plus, I know there's, like, so many characters coming up that I do want to pull for. So, it's kind of like, even though I do like Navia, I'm just not going to spend the money to have her in in my party. Even though sometimes I just pull just to have them in my inventory. And even though I'm not going to build them, just to put them in my teapot to get the friendship and everything and get the voice lines. 
But I just don't think I'm going to, I just can't do that with Navia. There's just too many things that I really, really want comp- that I, that I actually want to invest in fully compared to having Navia just because I like her. And even though I'm, I don't have any plan on actually building her. So it's a shame, but um, from what I've seen, Navia actually, her kit looks pretty nice. But again, I'm just, I'm just, I don't fuck with Geo. I'm just not. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Navia. I love, still love you though. Um, let's see. Couple more things I want to touch on. Uh, Risley. I really like Risley. Like, actually, wait, I think I did touch on Risley earlier. <laughs> okay, but let me just say that I really, I already did talk about Risley back earlier. Oh my gosh, I'm already forgetting. But I just want to say that I really do like Risley. Again, uh, it's such a shame because... I would totally pull for Risley, but he was so close to Nouvellet. Like, and plus I also spent money on, well, it's not spent money, spent Primo gems. Like, I got C1 Linny. Plus, I got, I also spent money on, again, not money, Primos. I spent Primos on the banner as well. So I, I, this is like the first time I actually pulled on the weapon banner, because I just really wanted to invest in Linny. So I got C1 Linny. Um, I'm, I didn't, I don't think I won the 50-50 at all. And I got it, um, his, no, I didn't get his weapon, but I did get Aqua Simul- Simulacra. Is that how you pronounce it? So I did get, um, it's a pretty good, um, bow for bow characters that the Aqua, that's Yelon's weapon. And then I also wanted Child because he's been escaping me for like two years. So I also got Child. Again, I don't think that I won the 50 50. That really killed my, my, my budget. But I also got Child. And plus I won a Nouvellet. So again, I got Nouvellet. And it, there was just, it was just going to be impossible to get Risley. Like, my funds were so low. Plus, I knew that there were characters coming up later that I really wanted. And I was just like, okay, I just can't do this. <laughs> I'm sorry, Risley. Um, man, especially at first, because I didn't really care much about Risley from just, like, his drip marketing alone. I was like, oh, yeah, he looks really cool. Um, compared to Twitter, who were, like, thirsting over him. Like, Jesus Christ, Risley was trending on Twitter when I, when that drip marketing dropped, like, <laughs> it was so fun to watch, and he was, he was good in the arc request, like, it has nothing to do with how, like, whether or not I pull for the character, like, they have to really, like, really make an impact, or just, like, touch that, you know, tickle bone, <laughs> you know, like, Albedo, <laughs> like, Albedo and Cha, you know what I mean? <laughs> they have to be, meet that hus- husband no quite criteria sometimes, but, as much as I like Risley and Navia, it's like, I just couldn't pull for them. I just can't, like, if I could, I would pull for every character that I like. But because, you know, there's a limit, I just couldn't get Risley. Which is fine. I think also because his gameplay wasn't something that, like, I guess you could compare him to Hazo, But I feel like Hazo's gameplay is, is kind of more smoother for me compared to Risley's thing. Plus, he has the whole Fontaine-specific gimmick thing going on. You know what I mean? It's just like, I don't think it just would have been my thing. Something that I wanted to invest in fully in terms of, like, building him and everything. So, it's fine. Plus, I really like Hazo, so I already got my punchy man. So, it's fine. So, it's a shame. I'm sorry, Risley. You were so good in the Archon Quest. Oh, I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but when he when he did the whole, like... Fontaine really kept up the theme of performance throughout the entire Archon Quest. So it was so cool where I was like, oh, how's it going to kind of play into like the Forces of Meripede arc? And the whole thing with, with um, I was going to say New Blood, Risley putting on that performance of being like this 
bad, not bad guy, because he actually was kind of in the right in that sense. But this, like, this mastermind who was about to kill Linny, um, Linny's, um, siblings if Linny didn't meet his demands. He was like, oh, I'm gonna let your brother, like, waste away in the sea, and I'm gonna kill Lynette if you don't bring Arlequino to me. And I was like, god damn, like, Jesus. And then he was like, oh, this is doing this to stall you, because I need you to, to keep you here, and I didn't want you to go running off and get in, into more trouble. And I was like, god, he's such an actor. It's like, it's crazy how everyone in Fontaine just lives up to the whole performance theme that's going on um, in this region. And his dynamic also with, like, Nouvellet as well. Like, I haven't, I haven't done um, Rise of Story Quest yet. I, I, I have seen it, though, but I haven't finished it um, yet on my main account. But I have seen it. Like, I don't, I'm not going to go into that because this is just about the Archon Quest. But that whole backstory there also really love, made me love Risey as well. His, his, again, his, his relationship with Cloran, how that went. Uh, it was actually, they actually had pretty good chemistry. He has very good chemistry with Nouvellet. Like, he's always very proper with Nouvellet when he's there. But behind, he's like, when he, when Nouvellet is there, he's like, ah, Chief Justice or Monsieur Nouvellet. But when Nouvellet is not in the room, then he's like, Oh, just Nouvellet, you know what I mean? He doesn't add, like, the honorific in front of it. Uh, but yeah, like, I love Risley. He was very good, um, though I wish his arc, and I don't mean his character arc, I mean his actual freaking floating boat arc, I wish it played more role, because, and I'll get into that later about the whole Fortress of Merrifin and whether or not it belongs, but the whole arc thing, the boat, I wish it did more, you know? I mean, it did what it was supposed to do, which is help the people in the water, but I thought it would do more. Like, it had, like, five seconds of screen time, and I thought with how kind of big a deal this whole, oh, what's under Maripede? What's the secret? You know, besides, obviously, the primordial seawater, but I also thought that maybe, I don't know, I guess I thought his, his arc would be the thing that comes to the rescue. Um... And saves everyone. But to be honest, what I had envisioned for the arc pretty much involved everyone in Fontaine evacuating on the arc and like leaving Fontaine. So the whole thing about so that wouldn't work in general because the whole thing about the prophecy was that everyone had to be succumbed by the water. Succum- succumbed, succumbed, had to be enveloped by the water and you know have that like wash over them to like make it seem like they're being um, dissolved into the water. So, now, honestly, even when I envisioned wouldn't have worked anyway, because it's it, it doesn't go along with what needed to happen in the story. But still, I just thought that his arc would be more meaningful in the end. So, instead of just being five seconds. But, I mean, it's cool looking. I mean, it flies. It's a cool, like, me- cool, like, um, steampunk ship looking thing. Um, I wonder if he'll ever make a return one day. I mean, they have the model. I mean, they have the model not only in, um, in-game, but they also have the model for the CG, so who knows? I don't think it'll come up again, like, anytime soon in this patch, in the three, in the 4.x patch, but maybe it'll come up in the future when we're doing our whole big war with the Heavenly Principles. Who knows? I would just like to see it again. I feel like it's such a big asset to just, like, throw it away. I feel like, why not use it again? For who who, who gives a fuck? Like, let's just use it again, because it's cool looking, you know what I mean? So, oh well. Um, kind of a few miscellaneous things that I want to touch on um, before I, um, like, end this episode. First, I thought it was kind of 
Actually, no. I saw some people say that they thought it was kind of weird how Freena just kind of left at the end of the Archon Quest. And I don't think it's weird at all, really, to be honest. I mean, well, I want to say it's not weird. But, I mean, I don't. I guess I mean to say that I didn't really have a problem with it, you know what I mean? You know, we heard from Nouvellette that she said she was tired and that she was going to go rest. And, and I thought that, oh, okay, that's interesting. Like, the Archon kind of, like, dipped out slowly. But I feel like that kind of fits her arc. Like, she did her duty... And now she kind of gets to just go rest her freaking mind after 500 years. You know, it, it's definitely different because, you know, we usually talk to the Archon. Well, not usually because we didn't talk to Raiden. And it's not like we see Raiden. No, we did have a conversation with her. I guess people are just caught off guard by how just how different this Archon quest is compared to others. Because, yeah, I mean, I guess we never really had a... I mean, we had conversations, Travel had conversations with Farina, but I guess they're looking for that end game conversation, end of Archon Quest Archon conversation compared to like what we had with Venti at the Tree or Raiden when we were trying to change her mind or Nahida at the end. So yeah, I get how people were caught off guard by how it's different, but I didn't really mind it. I mean, she dipped out. I feel like it's kind of fitting with her whole thing like it's also kind of sad how she kind of just like saved she was the reason why the world was saved um how fontaine was saved and she kind of just like slowly exited stage left i mean it's kind of it's like it's obviously kind of sad because we feel for farina for her to get such an unceremonious exit but i don't think it doesn't fit or anything like that i don't think it doesn't make any sense uh anything else oh uh natlon and capitano um, I don't really have anything to say about Capitano. Um, he's gonna be there. But if we're going by the Harbinger wheel, um, we have what looks like Columbina's, um, constellation first, and then what is probably Capitano's constella- constellation. So I'm not even sure if we're even gonna be fighting him. We might see him, but it might be a tutorial situation where we see him in the region, but we're not actually gonna fight him. Because the Harbinger wheel has proven to be pretty accurate so far. So, for it to suddenly not be accurate at all doesn't really make any sense to me. So, that's why I'm thinking... So, after this is, like, the Hand of Glory, which is speculated to be um, Arlequina. Whether it's current Arlequina or the past director, we don't know for sure. And then after that is the bird one, the crying bird one, which is speculated to be Columbina. So, that means, like, when we go to Natlon, we're most likely going to fight Columbina. And then after that, it's the three stakes, like the three crucifixion-looking stakes which is speculated to be Capitano. So that's why it's like either we're fighting two Harbingers in Natlon or Capitano is actually going to be a Shneznaya boss and Columbina is going to be the the Natlon boss. So either we're getting fighting both Harbingers, Columbina and Capitano, or we're only fighting Columbina and Capitano. It's just going to make an appearance. He's probably going to be relevant. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's going to be relevant, but we're not actually going to fight him until we get to Shneznaya and he's actually going to be the final Shneznaya boss. And then who knows what's going to happen with the other side of the whole Harbinger wheel. Like, if that's even, like, fighters, or if that's just, we're going to see them, or, like, how we're even going to touch upon that side. But I'm not sure if we're actually going to even fight Capitano. Um, next patch series. And Natlon, Land of Dragons. I want, this is going to be, that's what Nouvellet said. He's like, this is the Land of Dragons. So that means I want this to be freaking full How to Train Your Dragon. I want the Traveler to ride on a dragon. Okay, just like we did with Duval, and I want to see travel right on dragons, um, right into battle with the dragons. I want to see it to be a full How to Train Your Dragon, like, sky battle and everything. You know what I mean? Like, 
if they're gonna say this is the land of dragons and dragons are like coexisting with people i want to see it be just like that the movies just like burke let this be a burke <laughs> like i'm serious give me a pet dragon oh my gosh that would be so cool though imagine an event because in events sometimes we get pets or something like that like um Delcy's not a pet but i mean he could be um there was that one time we got a that ninja dog as a pet in one of the events um so yeah i mean imagine we did an event and we did we got like a a dragon that we could put in our teapot oh that would be so cool so yeah i hope we get to ride on dragons in natlon i hope we get to talk to dragons ride on dragons pet dragons feed dragons just make it my dragon paradise please like let me live out my how to train dragon fan fiction thank you very much so i hope so don't just say it's the land of dragons and we don't get good dragon content oh and the world quest too oh my gosh oh like the, the, like speaking of pets it could be like a sarush um, Sarush situation, um, where we could have it, like, as a pet that flies near our heads. Instead of being a teapot thing, let it be something that is flying near the heads, um, like, um, Sarush and the Seelies and all the other pets, and we get to use it in, in any world quest. Okay, that would be cool. That's what I want now. I made up my mind. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. And finally, what I want to touch upon is the whole whether Fortress of Meripede should have existed at all in the story. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, honestly. Like, let me think. Like, if you took out the Fortress, like, the Fortress of Meripede helped us get closer to, like, help us to solidify our relationship with Lydia and Lynette, help us to become friends with Risley. Um, We got to find out what the purpose of the Fortress of Meripede was. We got to find out what happened to Child. Um, that the freaking promotional seawater is literally right underneath us. So I don't think it was unimportant. Like, could you take it out and would nothing change? I don't think that's true because our relationship with Lanolette would would not have been fixed, and like we wouldn't know that child. Like, you could say that oh, instead of the whole mirror arc, we say oh, child is missing, and we never find him. Sure, we never find him, but we learn not only about like child, but also like the whole promotional seawater. And the whale. So we also learn those stuff too. So it's kind of hard. Like, I guess we could also just have Dream here. But I think us being in the same place as Child when he disappeared helped us connect to him via the vision. You know what I mean? Because we were like retracing his steps and trying to figure out where he was. And we were in those places that he was, that he um, that he spent time in, um, in the fortress. So I think that also helped us to connect with Child's, like, mindset and his, um, and his vision. So I think that also helped. Um, you know what I mean? So, to be honest, like, like, I know some people don't like the Fortress of Meripede art. I get that. But I think it's, like, sure it's slow, but I never, like, hated it. Like, yes, Act 3 is slow. I think Act 4 is definitely vastly, is so much better, and it, I think it, it pays off nicely everything that was built up in Act 3. I think Act 3 itself, that was pretty slow, but I think Act 4 is a pretty good payoff where it's like, oh, I get it. Oh, now this makes sense. Now I understand why we did this. You know what I mean? Act 3 was slow, yes. But I would say, and slow, but I don't know if I was necessarily bored. You know what I mean? It was slow, but I don't know if I was frustrated. You know? Like, slow, yes. Like, yes, I wanted to pick up, but I wasn't like, oh my gosh, get, let's get this over with. You know what I mean? It, it didn't upset me. So that's what I would say. I still thought Act 4 was very good, so all that that happened in Act 4, I thought everything there was good. 
Um, and I thought everything was paid off nicely. So yeah, that's all I have to say about that. And gosh, this has gone on for a long. Like I think we're clocking in like an hour and a half. Like crazy. Is this my longest video? I'm not sure. Well, not video. I guess audio podcast episode. But anyway, that was nice. I'm so glad I was able to. I know this is like this later. I'm posting this later than I wanted it to be. But the important thing is that it get, it gets out at all. Like don't for, don't like I don't want to focus on lateness. I just want to focus on actually getting something done. And I did it. I recorded it. And it's here, and I hope you guys enjoy listening to it. And I'm excited for like the future of Genshin. Like honestly, Genshin has really surprised me this um this patch series. I've I've really been loving it. I've been loving the events. I've been loving the main Archon quest. I'm excited for a Dane quest. I'm excited for any interlude quests we have. I'm excited for Lantern Right, and I'm just excited for the game in in general. Like I think Genshin Impact is definitely one of my um definitely one of my favorite games. Like it, it makes I'm happy playing Genshin. Like there's always a smile on my face. I love talking about Genshin. I love playing Genshin. I love the characters. I love the story. I love exploring. Um, not much of a grinder, but I do love everything else. And so I'm glad that Genshin has reached this peak and it keeps hitting those um, those highs. And I hope it, it stays that way for like a good long time. I hope we don't get any more lulls. So I'm clocking out and I'll see you guys later. Bye.